Well, good morning and praise God, everyone. I hope you guys are doing great. For those of you guys that are joining us on, joining us on Zoom uh, that maybe we didn't see earlier, welcome. For those of you guys that are watching our stream on YouTube, we want to thank you guys for joining us as well. Let me open us up in some prayer as we get going with uh, today uh, today's message in God's word. Lord Jesus, we we give you all the glory, honor, and praise, and we thank you for being so amazing, so awesome, so perfect, and for being our everything. Thank you for loving us, for looking out for us, for all the amazing things that you do for us. Lord, I pray today that you would guide my words, Holy Spirit, um, that you would speak to me and through me, that I pray that uh, you would open all of our hearts and our minds to your word and, and what it means to be blessed. And as we were reminded this morning during prayer, um, sometimes we can just have things getting in the way of us hearing what you want us to hear. Maybe we are distracted by things going on in the world, things going on in our own lives. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, that during this time, you would clear our minds, help us to be focused on God and what you would have us to learn today. And we pray this in your name. Amen. I was reminded this morning during our prayer time that it is so easy to get distracted in a way we could have like earwax in our spiritual ears that we are not hearing what God is intending us to hear. And I've realized that I think for Christians, oftentimes, whether this is directly a result of maybe teaching or preaching that um, maybe it was a little watered down or, or maybe uh, whoever was teaching or preaching to us, maybe for some reason, um, what they were wanting us to get out of a sermon was a little bit maybe off from what the Bible teaches. And so it's important that we are grounded in the word and that we have proper interpretation, because if we don't do that, there's times where we will read scriptures or we'll read verses and we won't really get the intended meaning and maybe we won't get the meaning at all. And that can really cause us problems. I think that is a big reason why a lot of people backslide, why a lot of people have walked away from their Christian faith. It's because they're believing promises that are not true, things that God or Jesus never said, and that's because they didn't understand or were not properly taught what scripture tells us. And I have seen this in my own life uh, with a specific, specific area of pass or a, spe a specific passage, and that's Jesus's Sermon on the Mount and specifically, the, specifically, excuse me, the Beatitudes, something that people refer to all the time. It's about being blessed and what it means to be blessed. I know when I was a lot younger, I would think, wow, so if I'm just gentle or weak, that God will bless me. Or if I'm sad, he'll just take care of everything. That's kind of the way that I interpreted it, because from a surface level, that's what it says. But there is a much deeper meaning and as we grow in our faith, so much of what we read in the Bible will have a different meaning to us because we will see what God intended us to see, what he intended us to understand beyond the world's view or the world's interpretation of scripture. And as I mentioned, the word blessed or blessing, it's something very common we hear about in the Beatitudes, but I put it in texts all the time. I say, God bless, God be with you. You know, we pray God's blessings over each other. But I think it's important that we take some time to really truly understand what it means to be blessed as a Christian and what it means to be 
blessed by God. Because it may surprise you to find out that biblical blessings, they look a little different, honestly, maybe significantly different than worldly blessings. And maybe today, you know, you might find yourself saying, wow, I have not understood the Beatitudes the way I'm supposed to. I have really thought very differently of them. So let's kick things off and let's take a look at what does it mean to be blessed. And I'm going to start with a, um, a dictionary definition. If you were to Google search, you'd find a couple definitions, but this is probably along the lines of what you will see. Uh, one I found says, of or enjoying happiness, bringing pleasure, contentment, or good fortune. Wow, who, who wouldn't want those kind of blessings, right? So based on this definition, when someone says, God bless, they're saying, may God bring you happiness, pleasure, contentment, and good fortune. I mean, all of us would probably jump at that, and maybe all of us would love to hear that. So when I'm texting, hey, God bless, if you're thinking that, you're probably like, hey, wow, that's awesome that that's what Andrew's hoping for us. And while there's nothing wrong with desiring some really great things that make us happy, you know, if that is our definition of blessing, it's not that there's anything terribly wrong with that. However, if that is the scope or the limit of your understanding of God's blessings, if it is based on what you or I deem as what makes us happy, if that is our definition of blessing, we will miss the greater point of why God blesses his people. And we are so fortunate, so lucky that we have probably the greatest definition of being blessed or blessings in the Bible. And it's straight from Jesus, from his mouth. He defines what it means to be blessed on the, when he was given the Sermon on the Mount, specifically when he covered the Beatitudes. And Jesus's definition, it's all encompassing. We can't just pick one of the Beatitudes and forget the rest, we have to take them as a whole because they explain or express how Christians should be or should, how they should live and what it means to be blessed. So let me read from Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 11 in the NASB. These are the Beatitudes that Jesus discusses. He says this, now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain and after he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. So we're going to be covering this for a couple of weeks, and we're going to take a look at the first three blessings that are really God-centric or God-focused. So the first one, those who are poor in spirit. 
This is one of those terms where having a little bit of understanding of the Koine Greek is really helpful. The Greek word for poor, it means being economically disadvantaged and dependent on others for support. So it means what you would think it would, but in the context, what this is saying is that those who are poor in spirit, they realize they cannot please God on their own. They are poor or bankrupt inwardly, unable to give anything of value to God. So those that are poor in spirit, they need God's mercy and they need to humbly depend on him. In other words, to be poor in spirit is to understand that you cannot, absolutely cannot do anything without God and you are nothing without God. This is a fundamental principle for Christians, but I think it's one that it's so hard to internalize because we think we do things. We're, we think when we get up in the morning, we are the ones that allow ourselves to breathe, that we are the ones that tie our shoes. Well, no, it's God who allows you to do all of those things. The achievements, the accolades, the things you've accomplished in the world, they are not possible if it wasn't for God. If God wanted to, he could take you out in a moment. He could take you out. You could be gone right now. And it's really humbling when you understand that. It's saying, I am not the one who controls everything. It is God who is sovereign. He is the one that is in control of everything. And the incredible blessing that those that are poor in spirit that they experience is that they will they they have the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God and there are several aspects to this to this blessing that we get to experience the kingdom of heaven one of them it's the reality that God is in control of everything he is sovereign we also get to experience salvation it is available to us if we will believe in Jesus with all of our heart and all of our mind. But there is also an eternal part of this. And that's where this, again, gets kind of challenging for people. It's we have to think differently about God, our faith, and the Bible, that it's not all about now. Ultimately, it's about what is coming in the future. And so part of the kingdom of God that we get to experience, it is Jesus's second coming and his millennial rule. That's what we have to look forward to. That is the ultimate blessing that those who are poor in spirit, those that understand they are nothing without God, that's what they get to experience. And again, it's challenging because we get to experience some of what it means to be part of the kingdom of God now. But the biggest blessing is what is to come in the future. The second beatitude, as we kind of continue these, the theme or the focus on these God-centered blessings or the God-centered beatitude is those who mourn. And there are two aspects to mourning. Typically, when people read about this beatitude, they think of mourning as being in great sadness over a loss a tragedy, or some kind of oppression. And that is part of it. For example, if you have lost a loved one, you likely feel great sadness and you may find yourself in a state of mourning. 
But in the context of this passage and the overall theme of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, mourning also uh, refers to the feeling we should have regarding our sin. We should so deeply despise sin that when we do sin, we should mourn over it. We should feel a deep sadness because we have sinned. And here's why. It's because ultimately we have done something that God hates. I preached a sermon. I think it was a couple sermons on sin. God hates sin. And so we should be so sad that we have done something that God hates. It is also the reason that Jesus had to die for us. He was the sacrifice for our sins. Jesus was on the cross. He suffered because of our sin, the things that we have done. That should break our hearts. It should cause us to mourn. And we have also done something that causes a separation between us and God, even if it is only temporary for those who honestly repent and confess of their sins. It should still break our hearts. We should mourn over that, that we have sin in our lives and that we have sinned or that we have sinned. And so that's what it's talking about, that we who mourn, that we experience God's blessings, that we mourn over our sin nature. We mourn over the sin in our lives and the blessing that we experience when we mourn over that is God's comfort. But just like I was talking earlier about how people interpret things the way they want to, they're not necessarily looking at it from a biblical or spiritual perspective. God's comfort looks a little different than you may think. God's comfort isn't that he will take away or resolve all the challenging things or the painful situations that you go through. That's not what God's comfort is about. God's comfort is about him being by your side, that God will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. It also means that we will experience the fullness of God's comfort in heaven, a place where there is no suffering, there is no pain. But again, and I'll be repeating myself with this, this is where it becomes really challenging for Christians, whether they are mature Christians or maybe they're brand new Christians. It's really hard to think about things down the road, things that are not today, here and now that many of the blessings that God bestows upon us, they are things to come in eternity with him. But we will experience, if we truly mourn the sin in our life, God's comfort. The third beatitude, this is the one that I probably struggle with the most. It just really didn't make a lot of sense to me. And this is the one where we talk about gentleness, those who are gentle, right? They experience a blessing and other versions of the Bible may say those who are meek. The Greek word for meek and it's plural, it appears in the New Testament eight or nine times. But what's so interesting is that contextually, it never means what we think of as gentle or weak or meek. 
Instead, it describes a state of powerlessness without God and the need for God's intervention and rescue. So hopefully you're seeing this theme that these first three, they are really God-centric. They're God-centered. Again, it's understanding that being meek means that we are powerless without God. Those who are gentle or meek, according to the Bible, understand their position before God. And like that first beatitude, we realize or we are supposed to realize that apart from God, we can do nothing. And the blessing from God for those who are meek, for those that are gentle in their understanding of their relationship with God, is that they inherit the earth. And again, this is where it's kind of confusing. I'm like, wow, we're going to inherit the earth. What does that mean? Well, for us, what it means is that because of Jesus' sacrifice, salvation is possible for us. So it sounds very much like a repetition of the blessings we've seen previously. But because of the salvation we have in Jesus, it makes the hope in God's peace possible during our time on earth. So that is a blessing that we can experience now, that when challenges and tough times happen, it is because of God and the peace that we get from him and through him that we can go through some of life's toughest challenges without completely falling apart. And that is because God is with us. The Holy Spirit dwells inside of us. But just like the other two Beatitudes, there is an eternal aspect to Jesus' statement here about inheriting earth. As Christians, we have an inheritance in the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. You may hear them referred to either of those. It means the same thing. And this will ultimately be found when Jesus comes back, his second coming, when he rules, when there is a new heaven in a new earth. And at some point, we'll probably cover eschatology. We'll cover the end time stuff. We'll cover some revelation. But right now, I don't want you to be so focused on that. I want you to be focused on God's blessings and growing closer to him, because that's what these first beatitudes are about. It was interesting. I was reading one commentary, and I thought they did a really interesting thing that they described kind of the reverse or the opposite of the Beatitudes so people would better understand what they mean. Because even though I'm explaining to you the, the meaning behind them, they still may be a little bit confusing. And sometimes you may go back and read Beatitudes and you may forget what I said today and you may go back to what you thought before. So maybe if you have these things in mind, it will help you. And so basically what this commentary did, for example, uh, an example I came up with was saying that law-abiding citizens who follow traffic laws have lower insurance and better gas mileage. So imagine that's Andrew's beatitude. That's the blessing, right? It's better gas mileage, lower insurance if you, if you obey the traffic laws. But what this commentary does, they reward it and they say something like road ragers who have no concern for others will get tickets and end up in jail. And so I will give you the reverse, uh, these three reverses of the first three Beatitudes as this commentary made, and hopefully it will give you a better 
understanding. So we're going to try to understand through the opposite or the reverse of the Beatitudes. So the first one says this, wretched are the spiritually self-sufficient for theirs is the kingdom of hell. The second one, wretched are those who deny the tragedy of their sinfulness for they will be troubled. And the third one, Wretched are the self-centered, for they will be empty. So hopefully hearing the opposite, and they are harsh. They're very to the point. But that's what Jesus is trying to tell us, that the Beatitudes, the blessings that we experience, they're not quite what we think because they're not based on our understanding of earthly blessings. They're based on Jesus's on God's spiritual concepts of what it means to be blessed. But now let's shift gears a little bit. Hopefully we have a little bit better, better understanding of those thir first three Beatitudes that are very focused on God and our relationship, our understanding of who he is, and our relationship with him. So how do we become Christians who not only experience the blessings of God, but now based on what I am teaching today, that we embrace them. Well, we're going to do this by going to the fourth beatitude or what several authors like to call the beatitude bridge, because what it does, it kind of bridges those first three God-centered uh, beatitudes with the next three, which we'll cover next week. These are really others-centered beatitudes. So the fourth beatitude tells us, and this is Matthew 5, 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. Before we talk about hunger and thirst, and, and I, I believe we all know what that means, but I still want to get into that. It's really important. Let's talk about righteousness. And I've preached this in several sermons. Really, the easiest way to look at it is, it, is being in right standing with God. And it's being in right standing with God according to his morals and what he deems as right and wrong. And we learn about God's justice or his morals, that which is right and wrong, and the Christian morals that he wants us to live by through reading the Bible. And again, this is not what we think is right or wrong. It is what God tells us is right and wrong. And we are supposed to, or we should as Christians, we need to seek righteousness. We need to seek what God says is right and wrong in the same way that someone responds when have thirst and they are dehydrated. These individuals, they will do anything and everything to get some kind of hydration. And I was just digging into it more that I believe there's a reason why it doesn't say thirsty because we can all be thirsty and want something to drink. This is thirst. And I was so surprised that thirst is a medical condition. I was like, wow, I've never even heard of thirst as a me medical condition. And it started getting me thinking about many of like old Westerns or even comedies. I was thinking for those of you that may remember this movie, The Three Amigos from uh, the 80s. Um, 
we often in shows see these scenes, see whether they're old movies or new movies, where people are traveling through the desert and they didn't prepare very well. And maybe they have one canteen with them. And there comes this point where the canteen is almost empty, but they're so dehydrated, they are uh, maybe on the verge of death. And, and they pull out the canteen, they stick out their tongue, and, and they're like trying to get this last little drip of water because. They have a great thirst. They need hydration. That's what this verse is telling us. We need to seek righteousness. We need to seek what God says is right and wrong. We need to seek how God wants us to live in that same way as someone who has a deep thirst. But it's not just that. We're given another illustration or another example of what we're to do at seek righteousness the way that someone seeks food when they're experiencing hunger and again hunger it came up as another medical term it's not being hungry or hangry which we all go through it's hunger it's starvation it's not having anything to nourish you some of you like me have probably looked on youtube videos or watched documentaries on how uh, different countries are giving aid to third world countries is typically where you see this. And I remember seeing images of uh, huge trucks rolling in with bags of flour or rice or water, what, what, whatever. Um, in this case, it would be food for, for being um, experiencing hunger. And they would be throwing, you know, throwing these, the food out at people and people would be literally fighting with each other. They'd be climbing over each other to get something because they had such a deep hunger. And even times during natural disasters in America, we see similar things where there's aid and people need it because they need to survive. That's the way that we are supposed to seek God and the way God wants us to live. Righteousness, being in right standing based on what God says is right. We need to seek that. In that same way that someone who is dehydrated or someone who is starving seeks water and food. We need to seek God as if our life depends on it. And here's the kicker. Our life does depend on it. For those of you that are Christians, for those of you who walk through the Bible, we know that if we do not believe in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, it affects our eternal life. And when you seek righteousness with all of your heart, there is also a blessing for that, this fourth beatitude. We are told that you will be satisfied. But again, like the others, the satisfaction that we experience from God because of this fourth beatitude and because of seeking righteousness the way that a starving person seeks food, when we do that, the satisfaction is probably not what you expect. It's not God taking things away and giving us things. Yes, God can absolutely heal. God can absolutely provide safety and protection. God can absolutely bless you in those ways. Don't get me wrong. You've probably experienced it. I have. God absolutely can do that. But in 
relation in context of the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, the satisfaction that we receive, that we will see when we chase after passionately with all our hearts, righteousness. One, it's being in relationship with God. It's being in right standing with God. So when we seek being right with God, that is one of the blessings that we will be right with him. And that's an incredible thing. Two, we will begin to reflect God's righteousness. The things that God says are morally right and wrong. We will start reflecting those things in our own life. Again, an amazing blessing. It is such a blessing when someone comes up to you and says, wow, I see the light of Jesus in you. I think I've shared this before that when I first met some of Emily's friends, they made comments. I don't know if they're being sarcastic or joking or thinking, I don't know, maybe they thought it was an insult, but they're like, wow, this guy's so Jesus-y. You better believe it. I want to be so Jesus-y. That's exactly what I want people's responses of me to be, that I am so Jesus-y. That's how we should want to be as Christians. Why would we possibly want to be anything else? I want to be Jesus-y. I want to be more like Jesus. I love that that's how God blesses me, that I experience the satisfaction of being more Jesus-y. That's a pretty incredible blessing. And then we will also see God's will take place in the world. And that is an incredible blessing because I think we would all agree we want to see more Jesus in the world. That starts with chasing after righteousness, seeking being in right standing with God. Now, I'm sure for many of you, what you've heard today, it's kind of new. It's different. Maybe you haven't heard a sermon about the Beatitudes this way. Maybe you haven't ever heard of or thought of blessings taking place this way. But the thing that is that this is biblical. This is what the Bible says. It's not the Bible according to man. It's not the Bible according to man's interpretation. What I'm sharing is the Bible is God's inspired, inerrant, and infallible word. And when we're able to seek God with all of our hearts, when we realize that these are God's words, these are his desires for us, when we get to that point where we are making God the number one priority in our lives, number one above our friends and family, number one above our own needs and desires, when God is the number one thing in our life, when we hunger after him and we thirst for righteousness, that's when we really truly begin to understand what it means to be blessed because we will no longer get hung up on our earthly definitions of what blessings are. We'll look at the spiritual ways that God blesses us and draws us closer to him and he closer to us as we are chasing after him. And we'll realize it is so incredible to be blessed by God. There is no better experience at all than the way that God blesses us. Amen. Lord Jesus, Father God, Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you for blessing us. 
Thank you for allowing situations in our lives that are ultimately put there to draw us closer to you. Thank you, God, for knowing us better than we know ourselves, that there's times where we wander and we need to go through some challenges so we will cling to you passionately. I pray, Lord Jesus, if there's anyone here struggling with this reality that being blessed isn't about happiness, being blessed is about being closer to you and whatever it takes to be closer to you. Lord, I pray that you, Holy Spirit, would speak to their hearts that you would transform our minds, that we would desire to be blessed by you because we want to be closer to you. And Lord, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, I pray that you would move on their behalf, that they would see something around them. They would experience something that says, I believe, I believe you exist, Lord, and I need you. Lord, help us to be those people that are transformed. Help us not to be the people that we were yesterday. Help us truly be a people that are blessed, that are changing each and every day in order to be closer to you, to be the kind of people that you want us to be. Lord, help us to love you with all of our hearts and all of our minds all of our souls. Help us to love you with all of our being. Lord, we thank you again for the many ways you've blessed us. We pray this all in your name. Amen. Well, guys, as we've done for the last several weeks, we are going to transition to our announcements now. And so the first one, and Matt alluded to this earlier, I want to thank everyone that came out yesterday and served at the church for our church workday. I want to thank Nate for helping to coordinate both ministries, which was awesome having everything prepared for us. I think uh, I think the last report I got, it. I want to say it was maybe 35. I apologize if I'm off on that. I want to say there's like 35 people. That is more than we expected. You know what? We have to raise our expectations because it's not about us. It's about God. So I have to remind myself about that, that it's whatever he wills and uh, whatever he wants. And so it was so awesome to hear this. I've seen some pictures of what's taken place and um, praise God. So again, thank you all for um, those of you that came out and served and helped to just get the, the church prepared uh, for when we are able to meet in person. Also again, that just you know taking care of, of God's house, what God has blessed us with, a place that we can worship together. Um, also want to let you know, and maybe this hasn't fully happened with all of our community groups, but um, because right now during phase one and also, you know, moving forward, because we're going to have some people attending a church and people, some people are going to still feel comfortable being at home. And that's totally fine. It's something that we've seen in the surveys that we that we had you guys fill out that we're still, and this is also the same of our Nichigo ministry. A lot of people are going to be doing both. We're going to be Eh, maybe 60, 40, something like that. So um, our online community is going to still exist, but because of the split of having some people at home and some people uh, in person at church, uh, your community groups will need to probably shift times in order to be sure that you guys can all be together. So please talk with the community leaders, community group leaders. If you guys haven't had that conversation, please uh, begin to do that. Uh, and then finally here, I want to pray for our offering. As I mentioned last week in our uh, that sermon about taking a vacation, sometimes we can take a vacation from giving. And so 
I want to get us back in that habit of having a time where if you guys want to write your checks, if you're doing that, if you want to give online kind of during this time, if you can have two screens up at the same time, please do that. If you've already set um, your tithes and offerings in, that's great too. But let me pray for our offering because we want to be um, just, we want to have grateful hearts. Again, blessings come in many forms and one of them is the financial blessings God's provided uh, for us, um, for you individually, and then also for the church. Lord Jesus, um, thank you so much for your financial blessings, Lord. Um, whether it's people serving at the church yesterday or uh, people giving up uh, uh, their tithes and offerings, Lord, to you, Lord, you bless us in so many ways. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us, Lord, as we continue our process of preparing the church for in-person worship with uh, people gathering with us, Lord. I pray over our finances, Lord Jesus. You have always provided. You've taken care of us, Lord Jesus. So thank you for doing that, Lord. I pray that you would give us discernment in how you'd have us to um, use uh, the resources that you have blessed us with, Lord. I pray for those that are um, just needing blessings in their life, Lord, whether it's growing closer to you, Lord, or, or some of the blessings, Lord, whether it's health, the other ways that you have blessed us, Lord. We love you so much, Lord. Thank you for all that you are doing, and we pray this in your name. Amen.